Over the last 100 plus episodes of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, I've brought many tools and topics to you that are designed to help you to build and maintain wealth. We've spoken about specific financial instruments like different types of insurances. Uh, We've spoken up to business coaches that help businesses to be more profitable and earn more money. We've spoken to authors, we've spoken to attorneys, we've spoken to bookkeepers, and we've spoken to a whole host of other guests. Today, we are going to talk a bit about the home buying process and specifically the role that a buyer's agent plays in the process. Residential real estate is an asset class that is one that many of us should strongly consider owning as a means to build our net worth. Whether you have never owned a home or if you're a seasoned real estate purchaser, I hope that you get a lot out of this episode. And as of the date of the release of this episode, we are in November 2022, and this has been a volatile year in the stock markets. If there's anything money-related that's keeping you up at night, I'm always happy to speak for 30 minutes via Zoom, in person, or even by telephone. Email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And also, if you're a business owner and the sale of the business is kind of in the back of your mind as a means to fund your retirement, check out my new website, www.allofmyassets.com. That's www.allofmyassets.com. And I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Vicki Durkin. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. As you know, my name is David Chudik, and I am a financial advisor with Parallel Financial. And what that means is I help for my clients to make the right financial decisions for them for the reasons that are important to them. So any of this stock market volatility has you staying up at night worrying, email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. We can talk, whether it's over Zoom, um, in person if you're local, or even over the telephone, and see if you have any next steps regarding your financial situation. Uh, But today we're going to talk about kind of a different asset class that almost always makes sense for us to own, and that is residential real estate. We're going to talk about some of the process of buying and selling real estate, different types of agents, and all kinds of cool stuff. And I have a really good friend of my family who's just done a whole lot for our family over the last uh, year or two, Vicki Durkin. So, uh, hey, Vicki, how are you? Good. Doing great. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your real estate career. I think you've only, what, lived in one place in your life, and and your husband has a pretty cool job. Yeah. Yeah. I've moved around a lot, lived in five states. Um, my husband's a football coach. He's been in Division One for 26 football seasons. Started out Massachusetts, uh, moved to Richmond, Virginia, Richmond Spiders, then went to Hofstra University in Long Island, then went to Bowling Green, Ohio for uh, BGSU. And now this is our ninth football season at Coastal Carolina. Go Shants, Shants up. That's right. Now, now just yep. unrelated, I am class of 1996. Yay. So they actually never lost a football game while I was going there. Of course, the football team didn't exist, but that's a, that's a whole lot. Uh, yeah, that's okay. issue. Okay. Yeah. So can well, you throw really any like that. big names at us? Uh, anybody that your husband's kind of been involved with or coached or, or played with? Um, so during he played his career? for the Patriots a little bit. Wow. He signed cool. after the draft. Um, in 95 and Bill Parcells was there and Drew Bledsoe and 
lot of cool people we got to meet. Um, wow. But along the way, we've we've met some really great players, coaches. Um, he has a player, Isaiah Likely, that's playing in Baltimore right now. Got a touchdown oh. the other night. Um, Grayson McCall is our quarterback. He's doing great. Good kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll hopefully be going to the NFL. But we've had some some really cool people around us. That's changed a lot since you've been there, right? It has. The football stadium was not there. It's a beautiful athletic conference uh, complex yeah. for sure. The so. TD complex is really amazing. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we're talking real estate and we're talking about um, buying and selling homes and things like that. And there's no rule in finances that is always kind of applicable to everybody. But as a general rule, wealth is built by owning or partially built by owning your primary residence. Now, there are some cases where renting makes sense. But generally speaking, people that accumulate wealth over time do so partially by owning their home. So I wanted to talk about the process of owning a home, talk about some of the terms that we might hear, and talk about kind of what your role in the home buying and selling process is. So what type of real estate agent are you? What do you do for for the client? And who is your client? So I'm a buyer's agent. I'm on the Ryan Coros team here at REMAX Southern Shores. We have four offices. Uh, well, now we have six offices, Florence and Charleston. Um, we have about 178 agents, but I'm on a team, the Ryan Coros team. He's the lead listing agent and uh, selling agent, and I'm one of the buyer's agents out of four. So I work with buyers that are looking for homes, townhomes, condos, investment properties, whatever it may be. And I mean, I've bought a few homes in my life. I'm not a real estate expert, but why would I even need you to help me to buy a home? It seems like I can just kind of look up on Zillow and say, hey, I like that house. It makes sense. And I'm going to offer, you know, it's a $300,000 house. I'm just going to offer $150,000. And if they don't take it, I'll just offer higher until, uh, you know, why do I need a buyer's agent? It almost seems like, you know, it's somebody who's who's just an extra step in the process. So we're an advocate for you. We are fighting for the buyer. If you don't have someone fighting for you, you know, we're trying to get the best price for you. If there's a situation with an inspection, we're trying to fight for you to get the new air conditioning unit. We are advocating from the first minute we meet you to closing and beyond. Okay. And we're, you know, we're we're there for you every step of the way. So what are some of the things that I as a home buyer might not even think to be aware of, right? Because just as as a financial advisor, oftentimes my clients, they have no idea what they don't know. So they might think that uh, they haven't even thought of the right questions to ask about their money. What are some of the questions that uh, a home buyer, whether it be an inexperienced kind of first time home buyer or someone who's bought several homes, they kind of don't even think to ask because, but that's why that's why you as, a, as the buyer's agent are, are there. Um, I would say you would be surprised if you don't have a buyer's agent. People don't get an inspection. They don't get a CL100. That's a termite mm-hmm. and moisture. We have termites here. We are in an area where there are. People don't think to do that. They don't think to, do I need hurricane insurance? Do I need, um, you know, what are my taxes going to be? Primary, if it's a secondary condo or an investment property, they're getting taxed secondary amount. That's almost double the tax that a primary resident would buy. There's so many questions that go into it. So we're guiding you with, you know, talking to a tax accountant, giving you a lawyer to speak to, um, 
whether it's insurance, we're guiding you, you know, giving you a couple names of insurance people that we feel comfortable with. There's certain insurances when you're closer to the beach that you're going to have to get, whether it's wind, hail, whatever it may be. A lot of people don't know that. Um, mm -hmm. And inspection is a big thing. A lot of people, oh, we'll waive the inspection. Well, it's a couple hundred dollars, right? I mean, why would I want to spend it's that if I could save it? It would seem like a good idea. Yeah, just not do it. But I'm sure over your career, you've probably seen some horror stories where either inspections uncovered something major or the lack of inspection led to issues later later on down the road. Yes. And, yep. and it's about three to four hundred dollars, depending yeah. on the size yeah. of the unit or the home. Mm -hmm. And we've under a sink, we've seen the floor falling through. We got a whole bunch of money back on the home. Yeah. We actually bought a house in, in Columbia for our son to live in. And uh, we had a really, really good buyer's agent. And even I, like I'm tempted to say, I mean, let's just skip the inspection. It's just going to cause problems. And I don't want to pay a couple hundred dollars. And I don't even know who any home inspectors are because we live two and a half hours from there. Well, guess what? Our buyer's agent was like, yeah, pretty much you got to have an inspection. And yeah, I got a guy. And I'll, I'll have them, you know, I'll, I'll have them come out there. And that just made it easier. And of course, we want to be safe. But sometimes when you don't know who to call um, and what might happen, you just um, you just don't do it. Yeah. So, Even on new builds, you would mm -hmm. be surprised. Oh, you see some of those social media posts where there's like outlet covers with no outlets behind there. And, yeah. And, in an and island. Everything. I've seen it. In an island, an outlet cover. No outlet. I mean, you yeah. just never know. And that, again, we're fighting for you to make sure that you have the right, what you wanted and what you paid for. But now, like as I'm buying a house, the the expenses kind of rack up. Sometimes, you know, there's just some more deposits and things like that, that you don't, you don't, uh, you know, you don't take into account. And maybe you're taking off work to go look at houses. And uh, I mean, how do I add in that extra expense of paying for a buyer's agent? Isn't that just going to kind of add on to all of my other expenses that are that are piling up on top of each other? In our market, in, in our area, you're not paying anything for the buyer's agent. The commission comes out of the seller. Okay. So whether the commission is 5 or 6% that the seller is paying, that gets divvied up between the buyer's agent and the seller agent. So you're not paying anything for me. It basically comes from the seller. So let's talk about the other side. So you're a buyer's agent, mm -hmm. a seller's agent. Like what does a seller's agent do and what might your relationship be with a seller's agent? Can a buyer's agent be a seller's agent also? Let's just talk about kind of how the real estate business works. So with a seller's agent, you're going to list the home. You're going to market it. You're going to do whatever you can to get it out there. Open houses, whatever it may be. We market up north because there's so many people from up north moving down due to the weather, taxes, this and that. We well, market and that's that's over. an interesting, that's an interesting, so you're marketing up north. And your team, your firm is actually taking that risk, paying for that expense, correct? As you're as you're marketing. Yeah. So when people say, you know, these real estate agents, they make, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a week just for for putting out a sign and, and then they just sign a contract. That's really not the case. I remember when we sold our house, you know, our 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 realtor, uh, the sellers, uh, they, they put uh, they had professional photography. There was a drone footage. None of that we is cheap, that. and if and if the house never that. sold, they would be out of that money, right? So, a so there's of lots money. of them. Yeah, a lot of marketing. Yeah. We put flyers out. We put mailers in the subdivision where the home is or the area out to about 300 people, saying, "Hey, this home is for sale. Know anybody? Have a friend? Have someone from out of state that's looking? Whatever it may be." 
um, we're doing a lot of marketing for selling a home. But but let's say at my house, let's say I lived in your area and I wanted to sell my house. I'm like, you know what? I like Vicky. Vicky's cool. Um, she seems like she knows what she's doing or she definitely absolutely does know what she's doing. I just want her to 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 be my listing agent and my and and I want her also to help me to buy a house. I mean, does that work? Could you do that? Does that is that possible legally and ethically or 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 how 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 would a situation like that work with a buyer's agent and a seller's agent? So if I was selling a property and I actually brought the buyer in, that's called dual agency. So I'm working for both. And I'm kind of fighting for both. Right. And we want the best for both of them. Right. So yes, we can do that legally. We have them sign something letting them know we are the seller and the buyer, but we're working for both. And we've done it before. And if you know what you're doing, you do it right for both. Okay. But it sounds like in a a big real estate team like yours, you almost have uh, 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 duties separated to where you have buyer's agents and seller's agents. Yes. Yes, uh, we do. So it doesn't happen that often, but if it mm -hmm. does happen and if the client doesn't feel comfortable, if the buyer doesn't feel comfortable using me, we have other team members and we'll put them with another agent that they feel comfortable with. Absolutely. Well, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I've done enough real estate in my life to know that um, some of the literal hardest working people out there are real estate agents because you never get to not answer your phone. Uh, you know, if I want to see a house and if I call the person whose name is on the sign, if they don't answer, I'm just Googling and finding someone else unless I, so you always have to answer your phone. Um, when there's a contract involved, typically people are looking over it at night, which means if something needs to be changed, you're, you're texting your realtor at nine o'clock and then they're getting back to you by nine Oh one, which I'm sure you've done before on, uh, Oh yeah on contract changes. Yep. So so as a buyer's agent, I mean, what's the average amount of homes that you tend to show someone who's looking to buy a home? I mean, is there like a normal number or is it can or, or what's the most homes you've shown to someone? Uh 60. Or length of time 60 over like what length of time? In over 3 days. Time? Wow. They were coming in from Arizona and we just hit the ground running and we saw 60 homes. So obviously you had had some 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 communication with them prior to that when they got in town. So you knew what they were looking for. You knew budget. You knew some of their must-haves and things like that. And then I guess you spent a good amount of time. I mean, those 60 homes didn't just pop up. You had to arrange. Like, how does that work? How do you get to go see a house? So we have an app that we basically put in times for that we can mm-hmm. go see that home. And it ha- we put a request in. It has to be confirmed. And I pretty much print out every single house we're going to. So my clients have a packet of what they're going to see every single day. And we start at 9 a.m. And we confirmed until 6 p.m. for three days straight. Wow. Yeah. And guess what? They didn't buy anything yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. We went through all that. And I have FaceTimed them homes. I have done, yeah, a lot. But they're a really cool couple from Arizona. They're going to be coming here soon. They could be doing a new build because they didn't find their end all be all yet. Um, but they're great and I love my job. So I love, I love doing it. Well, and that's, you know, what I always tell people who, who are buying anything from a small business. And in essence, you're a small business owner is a lot of what small business owners do. They don't get paid for. So, so as of yet, you've not been paid for that work and that's fine. That's part of your job. You enjoy yep. it. You're providing great service. Um, but you know, they may never buy a house. I mean, their move could could change. Who who knows what? So you did some work for free. So then when you do end up getting a paycheck, you almost have to kind of factor in that uh, you're getting paid for for some of the other things that you never, never did. Um, 
never did get paid for. Gas mileage, time. All that. Oh, all, everything. Me. Yeah. Preaching, yeah. preaching to the choir. So <laughs> let's say they they would have, uh, you know, house number 60. They said, you know what, Vicki, this is the house. This, nothing is perfect, but this is, checks off almost all of the boxes um, you know, so I think we want this one, you know, and, and then, so what happens then? So they picked out a house. Um, what do you as a buyer's agent do next? So beforehand we have for pre-approval or if they're doing cash, a proof of funds, because we have to something back up to say that they can. So pre-approval is basically the bank saying more than likely you can get a loan for X amount. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and we just come back to the office and we write the offer up and send it in and, and pray <laughs> and hope that's all good. But now the, me as someone who, who doesn't have that much real estate experience, I would say, look, it's a million dollar house. Let's just offer 300,000 because they might take it and it doesn't hurt anything. How do you kind of come into the, into the, the, the decision of how much to offer for a specific house? We usually check comparables in the area okay. of homes that are, are about the same. We'll check comparables in the last six months, what's sold. If we don't see a lot, we go back a year and we see what's sold, square footage, how many bedrooms, how does it stack up to this home? And then we feel comfortable with the price that we discuss. Okay. All yep. right. And then we'll put the offer in. If they accept it, great. We move on. If they come back, usually they'll come back with another number. We'll go back. I mean, I've gone back 10 times before. And, and in addition, what does an offer contain in addition to hey, I offer to give you $500,000 for your house. What are some other things that may be in that offer kind of contingencies and things that- How that much sometimes... money you want to put non-refundable for an earnest money? Okay. So Same obviously if I'm really serious, serious I'm, putting, I'm putting more money down. Yep, and we okay. send them a picture with the offer, a picture of the check. Okay. Goes in it and it's usually 1% of the purchase price. So $5,000 on a $500,000 home. Okay. Uh, we, there's due diligence that just started in June. Um, and that's basically a time frame that we I discuss with my buyer and an amount, and it can be zero dollars, giving them time to inspect the home, to have someone check out the air conditioning, to have someone check the land out if they want to do a survey, whatever it may be, whether it's 14 days and we put down $500, that is giving them time to do their due diligence to make sure that they want this home. If so they, decide this they home don't want the home that $500 is written out to the seller and goes okay. right to the seller. Okay. So now this particular example, you had these people from Arizona, they need to do some due diligence. They're back at home in Arizona. Um, you know, what would your role be in like getting that air conditioner checked out or maybe you're not? Okay. Yep. So I you... meet the inspector there. I'm there for the two hour inspection. I'm there for the air conditioner person that comes. I'm there. I've, I've run sprinklers for people. I have measured land. I've done everything. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of out-of-state clients that come and we're trying to do the best for them. And I'll FaceTime them. I mean, I have a couple from New Hampshire closing on Monday. They had a new build yesterday. FaceTime them for a good hour um, for the last final walkthrough and checked every nook, everything, all the paint, everything. And, you know, we do the best we can if they're out of state. Yeah, I, 
I love that. And that's just such a great service. So, so what you're doing is you're taking your connections because you've probably done some, some due diligence on who the good contractors are just because someone's a licensed HVAC person doesn't mean that they're ethical. doesn't mean that they show up when they need to. So you probably have some good contacts there. Uh, you can get the inspectors, you can do all of that stuff. And that's just helping your client who's making one of the bigger purchases that they'll ever make in their life to know that they're getting what they think that they're getting. Let's take a quick break from the podcast. As you probably have already gathered, one of my favorite types of clients to work with are the business owners of the world. Business owners take a lot of risk. They have to make a lot of their own financial tools. And quite frankly, I'm one of them. So I'm one of you. If you're a business owner, I would love to help you. If the sale of your business is in the back of your mind as part of the funding of your retirement, check out my website, www.allofmyassets.com. And also, hey, take your value builder score go to www.allofmyassets.com slash value dash builder dash score that's www.allofmyassets.com slash value dash builder dash score and let's get back to the podcast how often do you see contracts not be agreed upon so where the two parties just can't agree on a price or they can't agree on um, you know, time that they want the closing to be. Maybe one party needs to push it out for four months because they're they have some life event that they just can't move in that four months. Do, do contracts ever really kind of get stalled and not not happen? Yes, yes. Okay. I'd say for me, maybe ten percent of them don't. But we usually move on to something else. Right. If that right. one doesn't work out, we move on to something else. But people want to sell their home. Mm-hmm. They, they want to be done with it. You know, if they've had it on the market a certain amount of time or they're buying something else and it's contingent on selling this home, they want to make it happen. So we may go back and forth about this and that, whatever it may be. But um, I've been really lucky. I've worked with a lot of great agents on the seller's side, uh, very knowledgeable. So that's really helpful. Um, and you want to make it work for both sides. Sure. Okay. So you've helped me to make an offer on a house. Maybe we've had one or two counter offers. We've we've upped our offer by a couple thousand dollars. They've they've de- they've they've accepted a little bit lower than they wanted to, and and now we've both signed the contract. Like what happens next as far as proceeding with the whole process of this, the sale of the home closing as far. And let's assume that I'm getting a mortgage, so I still have to kind of get the mortgage processed and everything. What do you do then once both parties agree, hey, we're going to buy this house instead of 500, it's going to be 495. Um, you know, my deposit has been made. Where, where, where do you come in then to, to kind of push that process forward? Well, thankfully, I have a great closing coordinator on our team, Amy. Um, she's awesome. She does so much for us. Um, I'll work with her. We'll get the contract over to her. Attorneys do the um, closings here. So they do the title work and all that. We work with you know, a bunch of attorneys that we feel comfortable with that our clients feel comfortable with as well. And we get all the paperwork over to them. We get the paperwork over to the lender. So they have a ratified contract on their end so they can see numbers. Um, if they're doing inspection, we get an inspection lined up within seven to 10 days. Uh, I usually go over to the inspection, whether they're here or not, make sure everything's good. And we just hold their hand throughout the whole process. Uh-huh. Make sure that we are doing the due diligence, make sure that they know that when the data is up, make sure that they're comfortable buying this home. And then we move on. And then usually the termite CL100 is done 10 days before. 
We make sure that is clear. Um, we we hold their hand throughout the whole process until the until closing and beyond. One thing that I, I talk about literally on every podcast is that we always need to align ourselves with professionals who know what we don't know. Buying a house is a huge investment, and there's so much to it that you just don't even know what you might not know. Things like your taxes, you know, unless it's the simplest of situations, you need a, you need a, a professional to handle your taxes, a financial advisor, uh, legal work. I mean, in today's world, you can Google anything, how to write a contract, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, you need an attorney giving you legal advice when you need legal advice. You don't need to trust Uncle Google on those kind of things. So you fall into that same exact category of work with a professional. Yeah, you get paid. Yeah, we all get paid. And that's fine uh, because we're all working hard and bringing value. But think about some of the mistakes that we all could make in the house buying process if we don't have the right representation. I mean, it's just that simple. It's a huge investment. So work with a good buyer's agent for sure. Just to interject there. We deal with so much more scenarios that someone who doesn't have a buyer's agent wouldn't know about. Right. We deal right. with HOA issues. We deal with so many more scenarios. Every time I have a closing, it's different. Mm-hmm. There's something happening and I'm learning every single time. So it's great. So we deal with so many more scenarios that they wouldn't even know about. We also have two markets here. We have residential and we also have the condos. We have gotcha. the beach, Myrtle mm-hmm. Beach. So there's a lot of HOA itch issues. Are you allowed a pet? Are you allowed short-term rentals, long-term rentals, HOA issues that you wouldn't even think about? There are a lot of things that go into it that if you don't have a buyer's agent that's knowledgeable, you know, you could get into some serious financial issues that you don't even know about. Yeah. I mean, and once you're if once you're agreeing and you're buying a house in a homeowner's association, it's assumed that you knew the rules. So if you were planning on renting it out as an Airbnb and the HOA doesn't allow that, sorry, you should have known, right? And we um, make sure we get all the HOA documents uh and we make sure we have an HOA addendum, making sure that our client has looked it over and they have at least five days to look it over and get back to them, three or five days to get back to them and say, we're comfortable with this or we're not. uh There's a lot of investors come in and buy, you know, homes or condos or, you know, and they have to make sure that they can rent under seven days. And yeah. And if that's the, the purpose that you're buying the house for, and if you can't do it, you need to know that up, uh, up front for sure. So, so awesome. So I hope that this has given all of our listeners kind of a, a glimpse at what a good buyer's agent does during the real estate process. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about how to contact you in just a moment, but I always put guests on the spot. So I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this question, but We are the Weekly Wealth Podcast, and we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So Vicki Durkin, what is your definition of wealth? What does wealth mean for you and your family? Um, Well, we talk about at REMAX Southern Shores, um, our broker, Mandy and Tad, talk about abundant life. It's about abundant Mm -hmm. life. It's not just about money. Mm -hmm. It's about enjoying your life, enjoying your children, enjoying your family. When I first started getting to this, I really jumped in hard and I was realizing I was taken away from my family and I was taken away from my time and all that. And I just realized I need to slow down a little bit and really enjoy the family time. Um, I think I would say health is probably really important. We all know we've all been through it. 
David mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, health is important. Your family's important. Uh, we've moved a lot. So our friends are our family. I've never lived near family. So my friends are my family. I take them in. They take me in, thank goodness. And um, it's really about abundant life and just enjoying your life. Yeah, just- yeah. You know, it's interesting. Money is going to not even exist at a point. It's going to be some kind of crypto debits and credits. And I'll just send you crypto money. And But it's what the money does for you, right? So, you know, if your kids need something and you can buy it, that's an abundant life. Um, but if you're working 90 hours a week and maybe making a whole bunch of money, but not enjoying it, that's not an abundant life. So we all need to make those decisions. What's the right amount of money for my family? Um, you know, how much time do I want to spend working? Uh, and, and that could even change based on different chapters in your life. There are some times in your life you can work less and other times we're working more and bringing in more resources, but I, I love that abundant life. And I love how um, you know you were being purposeful about it because I think a lot of all of our success in all areas of life revolves around being purposeful. You don't become a great buyer's agent by accident. Now you could stumble into one big sale where somebody wants to buy this big house and you happen to be in the right place right time and you get the big sale, but you're not going to be consistently great unless you're purposeful. Same thing in my field. I know the same thing is is true in your husband's field. I mean, you know, there are some great athletes that end up not meeting their potential because they're not purposeful. And probably some of the really great ones maybe weren't even that talented. They just were very, very purposeful. Uh, yes. you know, when you see those Tom Brady pictures of him in the combine, I don't that think he looked like the, yeah, didn't look like the greatest athlete ever, but dude has, you know, he has, has the tools. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So for anybody, what, what geographic area can you personally help someone to buy a house or even kind of connect them to sell a house? And then if I'm thinking, you know what, this is a cool podcast. I really like Vicky, uh, but I want, I need to buy a house in California. You know, how could, how could you help me with that as well? So I do Myrtle Beach and surrounding areas. We do Ori and Georgetown County. I'm also just got my license in North Carolina. So I will be doing a little bit just on the outskirts of um, North Carolina closer to the South Carolina border. Um, And we do referrals. So right now I'm working with an agent in New Hampshire. They're doing, clients are doing a new build here and we do a referral system and we deal with a lot of Remax agents or any agents. And I can find you some wonderful agents anywhere in the U.S. We have a great network. And and what's your email address or is there a website somebody should visit or how would somebody contact you? My email address is Vicky Sells the Beach. V-I-C-K-I sells the beach at gmail.com. Phone number is 804-307-1077. And if you don't mind throwing a link on, I'll put my um, my website. Absolutely. Well. Yep. We will put that out there. So if you're interested, anything real estate related, even if it's not in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina area, make sure to reach out to Vicki. She can point you in the right direction and she can even find a, uh, a qualified realtor to, for you. Real estate agents and realtors are like anybody else. You know, there are good ones and bad ones. So you want to make sure that you're finding a good one. And that often comes by referral. So, uh, so yeah. So any closing thoughts on the real estate business? How, how are these mortgage rates working out right now? Is this a quote, bad time to buy? Or how are you, how are you addressing that question? So I would say it's an okay time to buy right now. I think the, I think we're leveling off a little bit. We're not having the craziness with the, you know, the highest and best and this and that. Um, So it's actually been kind of nice for buyers 
um, on that end. What we tell each other, everybody, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but marry the home, not the rate. Mm-hmm. You can always refinance in a couple of years. Yeah. You can always do an arm. If you want to do a five or seven year arm, you can be locked in at a rate. So there are ways there's doing buy downs for points. There's so many different ways that you can get around what's going on right now and still feel comfortable buying. Price homes are going down. That may help out with a higher interest rate. Your mortgage is going to be a little bit less. Interest rate might be a little bit more. So we're making it happen. There you go. And see, yeah. that's the kind of guidance that a good buyer's agent is going to provide. What I always tell my clients is a lot of times, you know, there's kind of the textbook financial planning decision for for XYZ decision. But then there's also like what's going on in your life right now. And sometimes, you know, you might have to pay a little bit more for a house at a higher interest rate because you have to move because maybe your job is transferring you. Um, and other times, you know, it might make sense to stick where you are a little bit longer. So to have you work through those decisions and just, you know, an honest, ethical and objective way is a um, is an awesome thing. I enjoyed this. This was pretty cool stuff. I think that in many, many cases, real estate is a tremendous asset class to buy um, and to own. Um, one of the reasons why people tend to make money in real estate and sometimes make bad decisions with stocks is you can buy a stock today. You can see the stock price drop tomorrow and you can panic out of it and sell um, very easily just by literally clicking a button on a website. And that probably was the wrong decision because that stock probably would have gone up over time. It's not quite that easy to sell your house. So even number one, you don't have like an exact value of your house on a minutely basis. And number two, it'd be hard to panic out of your house and sell it because it's a bigger process. So that's why I think a lot of times real estate investments tend to be good, solid, long-term investments is because they are not driven by emotion where sometimes people who are not working with good financial advisors do make emotional decisions when dealing with their stock market uh, portfolios. So this was awesome. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your expertise. And until next episode, we wish for everybody to have a blessed week. Thanks, Vicki. Thank you, David. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.